Hello and welcome to another episode of Laps Gamer Radio, uh, a special post-EGX debrief episode. Um, I'm your host, Mark Hamer, and joining me today is the man who played everything at EGX 2018, <laughs> Stuart Neal. Good evening. It's never everything. It's There's always something that I've missed, and even this year looking at my list, I missed so much. <laughs> Likewise, um, as we were, the um, Saturday was drawing to a close, I was scrambling around trying to play whatever I could before they finally hoofed us out of the uh, <laughs> out of the the door. I, I was saying to to Zoe, my other half, saying, "We really probably should have got another day's tickets and stayed for another day because it feels like I I, I barely scratched the surface. I I didn't play really any." big games at least mm-hmm. not the ones you had to queue long time for mm-hmm. no assassin's creed no call of duty no um hitman no spider-man shadow of the tomb raider yeah but they were already out <laughs> uh no metro exodus and stuff like that like, yeah. I, I didn't bother with any of that stuff but i i tried to concentrate mostly on the stuff that i found thought looked interesting mm-hmm. or and the indie stuff and even then i just barely scratched the surface thing like that rest section's not actually that big in the grand scheme of EGX, where they packed so many games into there, and I barely scratched the surface. Yeah, um, I think EGX themselves were sort of touting about 260-ish games, roughly mm. more than 150 uh, of them are basically that raised section, Yeah, uh, which is mind-blowing, so it is. Yeah. So, uh, well, shall we jump straight into what we played? Yeah. Uh, so we'll do we'll do our top fives, okay. uh, and then we'll talk about everything else we played. Um, which your list is <laughs> phenomenal. I will I will do a small sampling of my list purely because I'm going to do an article for the website anyway. So I, I shall, ah, okay, I yeah. shall keep it reasonably short. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, well, I'll start then. Um, so in, uh, the first one in my top five is a game called Catastronauts, which is sort of like uh, Overcooked, crossed with FTL. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit of a vibe of uh, Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time as well, mm-hmm. in, in a way, but a bit more more FTL sort of thing. Yeah. So basically you have like a top-down cross-section of a spaceship and you are in a dogfight with another spaceship. And so you and up to three other people are running around the ship, like in Overcooked, but running around, manning the guns to fire them, Picking up repair kits to repair damage to the hull, picking up the fire extinguishers and putting out fires, grabbing the the batteries from the guns, running to the recharge stations, charging them up, taking recharge batteries back to the guns that you can actually fire them. Um, Sometimes there'll be these bombs that get warped onto your ship and you have to pick them up and drop them out of the waste disposal (laughs) unit and whatnot. And it's just utter chaos. There there was one where uh, one level where you were playing like a solar solar flares Mm -hmm. popping off and you get like a brief warning before it was going to start and then everyone had to rush to a room and one person had to be designated to press the button because if everybody pressed it, then it would close and then open again straight away. And if <laughs> anyone caught outside the room or if you're inside the room when the door was open, you just got burnt to a crisp uh, and had to go and get rezzed from, um, the, uh, med, from the med bay area. Mm-hmm. Really, really fun uh, little game. It's the, the only issue I've got with it is they said that it's not going to have online multiplayer at oh. launch, and that's so it's going to. They said it may come down the line, yeah. but that means it's going to suffer from the same problem that the first Overcooked had, which is that I never got to play that with with a full complement of four people because it's difficult, you know, when you when you're an adult to get four people together on a sofa. Yeah, it absolutely is. So 
they need to patch that in. Um, but apart from that, uh, yeah, really, really fun. Uh, I mentioned to the, 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 there was three of us and one of the devs who took us through it. And I mentioned, it's like, this is a, this is a bit like overcooked. And she's like, yeah, it's, you know, it's kind of similar. Um, I, no, I don't think they have any affiliation to um, to overcooked, but it's, de- it's definitely got that sort of vibe. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it, very fun little game. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah, from what I saw of it on trailers and things, it does look very, very fun. Mm. And I was actually, that's one of the things that was really notable about EGX. In that any of these games that are really good couch co-op games, it's really easy to get four players to sit and play them um, at an event like this. So you actually yes. get the proper experience of it. Yeah, all the games I saw like that that had uh, there was that there was Sticky Cats, there was um, Gang Beasts, there was uh, the the new eight player multiplayer version of Human Fall Flat, mm-hmm. like getting people to crowd around those consoles was not a problem at all yeah so it's, it's kind of the best environment to play those sort of games in really it really is yeah because it's you know everybody's there to have fun anyway yeah and, uh, yeah it's just it's just easiest <laughs> to get people because yeah. there's loads of people you just pull random people in <laughs> so you know you get them <laughs> just picking up the controller and away you go yeah okay my number five is a game called misfolded uh, which was one of the student projects um, in the National Film and Television section. It's really hard to describe what Misfolded is because even sitting watching the trailer and even knowing a little bit about the story, it doesn't prepare you for the actual experience of playing it, um, which was just unbelievable. The gist of the story is that you are a creature living in this society you're not necessarily evil but everything that you try and do turns out badly to the extent then where the community basically exiles you um down into almost an underworld but even from there you get very angry or at least want revenge but as i say that's just the sort of general gist but the experience itself was just stunning um just a combination of the uh, the graphics, the way it's put together, the music um, as well, it just was amazing. It maybe took me about 15-20 minutes getting through the actual whole demo, but yeah, just an amazing experience. And the game itself, as with all of the student projects within that section, um, have only really been sort of being developed on um, by a small team, and usually the sort of main student is the main developer and coder and what have you on it um but they're all being developed in like the last six months so to get from basically nothing to that within six months is um amazing and uh the guy tim that i was speaking to um who is the the lead developer on it uh, actually he moved into uh sort of game development from basically almost being like studying neuroscience uh so whether or not any of that experience and sort of the learning from that uh, he has transferred into it it's it was just an awe-inspiring experience so uh yeah my number four was sticky cats Mm -hmm. uh, which is it was over in the left field section uh it was one of the more left field games in the left field section i've got to say (laughs) that i saw um (laughs) left of the left field yeah left of the left field it looked like it was drawn by a child (laughs) like it really really 
yeah, I, like the entire art style looked like a like the sort of like kids drawing. You'd be like, you know, I'm going to stick this on the fridge, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And you and up to three other people control badly drawn cats in a badly drawn house, and you're fighting each other to grab a fish from the fishbowl and escape through the window. But you basically like you I, I i don't know if the other buttons did anything but i just found that like mashing the a button made you sort of jump and mm-hmm. then use the left stick to move in a direction and then whatever surface you stuck to whatever you surface you landed on be that a surface or one of the other cats you stuck to them <laughs> and it just turned into this ridiculous like badly drawn 2d gang beasts sort of style thing uh-huh. where you're trying to where you're out wrestling the other cats to escape with the fish and it was utterly bonkers, and <laughs> I hope that game gets a commercial release because it was brilliant. I think one of the, about the most fun I've had messing around with a silly physics engine in a multiplayer game like that since Mount Your Friends. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was really good. Check out some videos on YouTube if you can. Uh, called Sticky Cats, and yeah, it just it, it, it it's as fun to play as it looks. Mm. I didn't actually get the chance to play it, but any time I was in the left field section, there was just sort of uproarious laughter um, coming yeah. from that general direction, so there was. Yeah. Yeah, it was a bit bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my number four then is a game called Beacon, uh, which is being published by a company called Utomic. Um, I can't actually remember who the developer is on it. Well, they're a, um, a publisher and a platform holder, really. Utomic, they? yeah. So yeah, Beacon is, you are a robot slash alien who basically wakes up on a unknown planet. You don't know how long you've been there or um, sort of any other details about the planet itself. It's sort of vaguely roguelike and what have you as well in the sort of generation um, of the planet every time that you restart or respawn. It's done in sort of an isometric almost sort of viewpoint, um, but it's full roaming and things uh, within that. Mm-hmm. The really interesting thing about the game is that whatever aliens are generated that you can destroy or kill, you get to pick up parts of their DNA, and then if you die, the parts of the DNA that you've picked up will be sort of merged in with your body and potentially cause different mutations. Now, you don't necessarily know what those mutations are going to be. They could be bad, they could be good, they could just change your appearance and things like that. Mm -hmm. But it was just such an interesting concept. And obviously, every time you die, part of the DNA that you've picked up will die off or, you know, be replaced potentially by another part um, that you've picked up um, from a previous thing. So it is kind of in your interests to die to get different DNA to pick up, but, but then you will lose some of the DNA that you already have that could be advantageous to yourself. Also, you don't then know what new world you're going to walk into uh, whenever you come back in. And uh, so it's really impressive, a really fantastic art style. Mm. Even the music as well uh, was really good. And as for the sort of procedural generation, I got robots on my first go-through. I got dinosaurs on my second go-through. <laughs> on my third go-through, there was giant ants, and then I ended up in some sort of, like, Doom-style hell world uh, mm. with demons and things into it as well. And I think I actually came across, a, like, a mid-level boss or whatever in that too and yeah it was just a very very impressive game um actually one of the pickups that i got whenever i was in the hell world was some sort of scorched choker which is just a sort of piece of clothing or whatever um i would have died an awful lot earlier but that basically kept my uh, sort of life at one 
and just let me keep going for a little while longer. Um, yeah, absolutely fantastic game. Really, really enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, definitely can't wait until it actually comes out. Yeah, I, I saw you watching this. This is one of the first games we mm-hmm. looked at on Friday. And um, I didn't get hands on with it myself, but uh, it looked absolutely gorgeous. That art style, mm-hmm. uh, art direction was very much uh, my jam. Right? Yeah. That looked absolutely lovely. Uh, right, so my number three was a single-player cooperative game called Fogs, um, <laughs> P-H-O-G-S, uh, where you basically, uh, you know, remember Push Me, Pull You from um, Dr. Doolittle? Yes. Uh, it was like that, but a sausage dog, so mm. uh, a sausage dog where both ends were ahead. So uh, each of the sticks, each of the analog sticks controlled each end of the dog, and then the bumpers uh, controlled the mouths to be able to bite things, and then the triggers made the dog stretch. And you had to solve these little, you know, these these simple little puzzles. It's like taking the mechanics of uh, that we that we used so effectively in um, Brothers: A Tale of Two Sons, and then mm-hmm. turning it into like a you know cutesy, colourful, wacky little puzzle <laughs> game with a lot of charm. That one proved to be very popular uh, to the point where I went back to go and play it again later on on Saturday and so many people have played it, they'd managed to break one of the analog sticks on the controller on the display <laughs> unit. So only, you can only move one of one end of the dog, unfortunately. Yeah. That was one of the things I loved most about it is that you leave it for a second and the dog's go to sleep. And you move, <laughs> and then if you start to move one of the sticks, that dog wakes up, and the other end stays asleep, and you can just drag it around. <laughs> um, yeah, very cute um, little puzzle game. I mm. uh, don't know when that's coming out, but it seems like the sort of thing that would probably be at home on the Switch. So I'm hoping it comes out oh, on the yeah. Switch. I, I can't imagine it wouldn't, considering I think it was running on the Switch. So No, it was running on PS... Uh, well, it was running on PS4 controllers. I don't know if it was running on a PS4. Oh, right, okay. I was, I was nearly sure I was holding a Switch Pro controller. I may be wrong. Oh, there may have been another unit, like the because uh, there was more than one. We went to the same one twice. Oh, okay. And that unit had a PS4 controller, so maybe it's coming out on all the consoles. I don't know, but mm. yeah, it, I hope it does. It was it was a lovely little game. Yeah, I played that as well, and it was uh, fantastic. As you say, the comparisons obviously with Brothers um, are probably the closest um, sort of in similarity, but I would say that the puzzles and things in this are an awful lot harder yes and yeah. uh, sort of just the interactions in that you have to grab hold of some things with one end of the the fog and then you know swing yourself almost onto another section and mm-hmm. uh, sort of using a lot of the rubber banding and things like that as well uh, yeah. to get two different points and things uh yeah absolutely loved it just so colorful as well uh, which was really nice and I loved the description they had for the game, which is just a uh, Fogs is an adventure puzzler where you control a duo of dogs connected by a gelatinous midsection. <laughs> <laughs> and if you can't like that description, what can you like? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay, my number three then was the Bradwell Conspiracy um, by Bossa Studios. What to say about the Bradwell Conspiracy? Uh, basically, it's set in the not-too-distant future where Stonehenge has basically been brought over by the Bradwell Corporation. But while they are celebrating some sort of anniversary event um, on Stonehenge, the building explodes. And you are one of the sole survivors, almost. And you have to try and get yourself out of the building. Best description or comparison is probably something like the Stanley Parable um, in that sort of graphical style and what have you. Yeah. But there's a lot more interactive puzzles as well. And uh, towards the end of the demo, uh, at least the demo level that I played, 
uh, you get a friendly voice um, in your ear. You're wearing some sort of like special headset or whatever that sort of monitors your um, medical condition and things like that, but also then gives you like a communications uh, device as well. And then between yourselves, you can start puzzling out um, like keypad puzzles and things because they are on one side of the door and seeing a mm-hmm. configuration and you're on the other side of the door and they're obviously sort of relaying um, or at least sending you pictures um, that, that you can then look at. And also you have a photograph or a, sort of a way of taking photographs and sharing it with them as well. Mm-hmm. Just a really, really clever and really interesting game, as I say. Anybody who likes the Stanley Parable um, or the Beginner's Guide or uh, Dr. Langeskov, it is that sort of style and a little bit of humour as well. Uh, maybe not quite as strong humour-wise uh, as the Stanley Parable and what have you, but very, very similar. And yeah, really, really nice. Really enjoyed it. Mm, sounds interesting. Yeah. Yeah, is that coming out? Is that... Do you know when, what that's coming out on? Uh, it'll definitely be Steam. I mm-hmm. wouldn't be surprised if it maybe went to PlayStation, but I'm not sure entirely. Okay, I'll keep an eye out for it anyway. Speaking of PlayStation, uh, my number two game uh, that I saw was Dreams, which is the new medium. Well, I say the new media molecule game. It's the game media molecule I've been working on since possibly before Tearaway came out. I mean, mm. it's been shown off on Sony uh, presses at E3 and Tokyo Game Show and so on and so forth. PlayStation Experience for, for three, four years, mm-hmm. and it's basically what they've sold it as uh, is like. Media Molecule decided to take the the idea of the level creation suite that they put into the Little Blick Planet games and unshackle it from the restrictions of uh, you know a two point five D platformer mm. and allow you to make anything anything you want any sort of game uh, you know uh, limited by the the power of the hardware and the tools and your imagination. So they've been showing this off uh, uh, only at press conferences, and uh, I don't think anyone really got hands-on outside of press. And this is the only place this year that that the that, that people, you know, general public, could get hands-on with this game, mm-hmm. and nobody was queuing up for it. People were queuing up for an hour plus to play Fortnite, which is a free-to-play <laughs> game which you can download on your phone. But nobody was queuing up to see Dreams. I mean, it was popular. Like Most of the stations were usually full. Yeah. Um, but I didn't have to wait more than about two or three minutes to be able to get on the station. The three different times that I went down there. Uh, I played every single game that they had there twice. And I absolutely loved it. What they had on uh, on show was a selection of games that had been made using the the, the, the Dreams suite. So there was the Medium Molecule, um, the, the the main event game that they had designed, which was like this little 3D uh, platforming game uh, based on a little um, electric bug character that could uh, a- activate platforms by charging up and releasing an electrical current. And that was a nice little platformer. Then there was a game called uh, Please Hug Me, where you played this little box that that ran around, well, shuffled around this little platform, making cute noises and desperately trying to hug all these other things that were on the platform, and they just backed away until they all fell off the cliff, and then you're left on your own and the game ends. There was a uh, an R-type style shmup. Uh, there was a proper flight sim dogfighting space combat game. Mm-hmm. There was a cryptic old-school text adventure based uh, in a party like a house party where something's not quite right there was a game called comic sans 
SANDS where you played like a a little crudely drawn block on a, a crudely drawn background but as you played through the game this pencil would come in and add more and more elements until finally when you got to the end you're playing as a 3D block in a 3D world and so on yeah there was this whole you know selection of games all of most of them were vastly different from each other there's a broad spectrum of games on show mm-hmm. and all of them were created in dreams and they were all really fun to play and they were all solid and i'm really really excited about that game but also a bit bit nervous well not nervous but um i have some concerns mm-hmm. yeah there is no there, there, there's not even a i don't think they've even put a year on when they're going to release this mm-hmm. and they've been showing off dreams since almost as uh, long back as the playstation 4 has been out and i'm worried that they haven't shown off how the uh apart from like time lapse um sped up footage um i haven't shown how the creation tools work uh and that's where that game is going to live and die is if the creation tools are easy to use if if they're not if they're ob- obtuse if they're difficult to get into um then that game's going to fall flat mm-hmm. um if they're easy to get into like little big planet was and like how super mario maker was this could be such a, a you know a, a, a way into creating games for people who have no idea how to create art no idea how to code this could be such a creative outlet for people not myself because i'm not not even creative enough to come up with a game but i would be really interested to see the games that other people create in this mm-hmm. but i uh, i i remain cautiously optimistic until we've actually seen what how the creation tools work i want to see someone who's never played that game sit down and make something yeah it definitely will and it'll within those creation tools it'll depend on how easy they are to use the sort of the user interfaces and things yeah. like that and Obviously, with the PlayStation 4, you're limited by basically a mm-hmm. controller to a degree, so it'll really be interesting. The other thing I'm interested in is the way of being able to share the games, um, almost as like a platform. Yeah. Because I know there was issues with Mario Maker in that if you weren't getting sort of enough likes or hits or plays or whatever, then it was very, you know, your level or whatever would be deleted off the server and things like that. Even though you could still keep a sort of your version of it on your home console and things like that, you could keep a version on your console that you could carry and play through, but it would be deleted off the uh, off the rotation in like the hundred Mario Challenge or anything like that. If not enough yeah. people were playing it, uh, but the threshold at which people needed to play it was fairly low. Mm. So I I think last time I checked, which was a while ago, last time I checked, I still had a couple of levels in circulation on that game. Oh, so, okay. so I don't know, but yeah, it, it's it's um that's another thing. That's actually something I hadn't actually. Thought thought about is uh, how they if this takes off and lots of people are making games how they curate that because there was a lot of garbage in super mario maker yeah even the discoverability and what have you you know if people can actually name their game and being able to search for it yeah um via either the name or the creator of the um the game and what have you yeah i would hope that you would you'd be able to like subscribe to particular creators if you found that they found someone who made good stuff there's a lot of potential there but there's also a lot of question marks still yeah definitely from what i saw of people playing it it looks very very interesting yeah none of us um well i was there with six other people we all tried it because i dragged them all down there to try it (laughs) none of us managed to beat the text adventure okay (laughs) Uh, i had three cracks at it and i couldn't i couldn't beat it it was it was fiendishly hard but yeah Mm. it it it, um i got quite nostalgic because i hadn't played a proper text adventure game in forever 
Okay, my number two is a game called TikTok, A Tale for Two. It is a puzzle game played on basically whatever platform you'd like between two players. Um, so it's coming out on Steam, Switch, iOS and Android as well. And potentially maybe porting it over to sort of PS4 and Xbox mm-hmm. maybe. Um, but I don't think they were listed. But the idea is that you need two people to play this game. Um, one person on whatever platform they want picks player one and the other person picks player two on again whatever platform they want so basically somebody could be playing it on an android uh, phone or tablet and the other one could be playing it on a switch basically what happens is that you're presented with sort of an environment um, that you can mostly sort of 2d a little environment and you can go into houses and down wells and things and there will be the same puzzle will appear on uh, the different screens but you actually have to talk to each other to describe what you can see because you will see part of a puzzle that will be able to help the other person mm-hmm. and they will be able to see part of the puzzle that will be able to help you for example there was one puzzle that two of us were down uh, a well and there was like a box with combinations on it so i was able to change numbers one three and five mm-hmm. they were able to change numbers two four and six but they had to then describe to me um to tell me what the fixed versions that they had of one three and five were and i had to do the same for them as well and from that then we both got a little button that we were able to use further on in the game mm-hmm. uh, just really really clever it didn't necessarily work very well in egx purely because the screens were right beside each other so you could literally see um what the other person was seeing uh, yeah. but it would it, you could play it in you know a, the same room with a person you could play it on skype over the other side of the mm-hmm. world as well providing you both started at the same time um but yeah really really enjoyed that it's a it was a fairly short demo but um it's shaping up to be very very nice and really really impressive they're currently looking at ways of potentially selling it in some sort of bundle so that you technically get two keys uh with it to use on whatever platform of your choice mm-hmm. um so it'll be interesting to see if they can do that and sort of get a nice price point on that yeah it, it kind of sounds a bit like uh keep talking everybody explodes but you're both diffusing the bomb and neither of you got the instructions <laughs> basically yes <laughs> i like the idea of that yeah uh really kind of laid back as well um mm. you know you, you can take it at your own pace there's no rush to do it um although i was speaking to one of the pr people and she had like proper couples sitting down getting slightly irate at each other <laughs> <laughs> yeah i can imagine <laughs> because their other half wasn't necessarily doing things as quickly as they would like yeah yeah well, I'm glad I stayed away from that one then. Could have caused some arguments. <laughs> Probably, yes. Uh, right. Uh, my number one game uh, came out of nowhere. Uh, my uh, other half, Zoe, she, uh, I'd been off uh, doing something else. I can't remember what. And she, she like came and found me and said, like, you've got to come and play this game. And dragged me down to the rest section and uh, plonked me down in front of a, um, a screen with a controller in my hand for this game called Soundfall, which I hadn't heard anything about. I think I'd walked past the booth a couple of times and I'd, I, it stood out because they'd got like two small units in front of one big unit and then, like, you know, mm. you know, quite a big display. But I was like, oh, that looks interesting and then moved on. So Soundfall, uh, which turned out to be my game of the show, <laughs> is a uh, you, it's up to four player cooperative twin stick shooter slash melee game that kind of reminds me a little bit of fury and a little bit of next machina but the whole thing framed around a rhythm action 
game. So mm. kind of like how what Crypt of the Necrodancer did for like the you know two D dungeon crawler sort of game mm-hmm. by putting it into a rhythm action thing. It's, it does the same thing for twin stick shooters. So dodging changing weapons shooting and everything like that you can do it off the beat if you want uh, but it'll be less effective and if you do it on the beat like if you fire your gun off the beat it'll just be a weak little pew um, fire it on the beat and you'll get a big blast mm. and your dodges are more effective if you're doing that so everything you're doing is on the beat so like dodging enemy attacks shooting enemies jumping on platforms and so on it's, it's all done in in time with the music and when you've got like four people doing it and you're all doing it in time with the music and your guns are firing off on the beat and it's just like this this light show and this this crazy i mean over the top of this incredible thumping soundtrack and the gameplay is just so ridiculously tight. I, I, it's, it didn't surprise me after we were talking to the the, the couple of developers who were there, and they were uh, they're both they're saying they're both ex Epic, mm-hmm. so they trained like they 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 had it drilled into them by Cliff Bozinski about making your game tight. It has to feel tight, mm-hmm. which is something Cliff Bozinski's games have always been, uh, despite other flaws. They've always felt tight <laughs> to play. And yeah, it just you know we're I think we're both big proponents of that nebulous term game feel. Yeah, and this had such great game feel. Like when you got into the rhythm of it, and you're like you're nodding along with the music as you're firing your gun and doing your dodging, and everything starts to fall into place, and you're getting the excellence popping up on the bottom of the screen because you're doing everything in, on the beat, and it just feels so good to play. A wonderful art style as well, like bright, colourful. The soundtrack is it's the sort of music, the same thing with Fury, it's the sort of music that I would never have listened to outside of the game. Mm. But in the moment when you're playing that game, it's just, it's the perfect sort of music. It's going to be another of those games I think I end up buying the soundtrack for. It's really, really good. I played it uh, with uh, just me and Zoe, just two player. And then we found uh, some of our other group and brought them back and we all played four player together. And that was just chaotic and and so much fun but basically i can't do i can't put into words how how good the game felt to play i haven't felt uh, a game hasn't felt this tight to play since next machina i think mm-hmm. but with that added you know rhythm action element mm-hmm. and i love a rhythm action game anyway um so putting together rhythm action and twin stick shooting i'm going to be there uh, and everything else was just icing on top of that yeah amazing game did you get to play it at all I did actually. I had a go at it. Um, now I was just playing with two random people and what have you, and mm-hmm. I was impressed by it, but it didn't completely grab me. Um, no. But yeah, I could I could see playing it with friends and just sort of all of you being um, sort of on the beat and what have you, as you say. Yeah, would just make that a really really impressive experience. Again, it's one of those ones. If it has online multiplayer, that'll be really good. They but, said it will do from launch. Oh, oh, that'll be good then. So mm-hmm. well. That will be very good. Yeah, it's it's not. Unfortunately, it's not. I said like, well, you know, when is this coming out? You know, what's it coming out? And they said it's coming out on every platform. Mm-hmm. All right, okay, okay. When's it coming out? Um, we're aiming for the end of two thousand and nineteen. Oh, oh, I can't wait for so long. <laughs> but it, because it, it already felt so polished. I mean, there was yeah, uh, there was only really three did. levels there to play, and I maybe they just want enough time to make sure that the netcode works and that they've got enough levels to you know satisfy people for a decent amount of time 
what I found is quite funny because when I was talking to the two um, developers over there and I was saying like you know I'm getting a real like vibe of fury off it and and they said like you know a few people have said that neither of them had, neither of them had even heard of fury let alone play it oh, right, okay. I was like you've got to go and play fury because if this is your sort of game you're going to love that game yeah yeah uh, that was that was my game of the show it just uh, yeah I don't know what it is it just it just grabbed me and like I, I, for a few hours afterwards, all I could think about was like, that game felt so good to play. <laughs> <laughs> well, I believe my game of the show then is the complete polar opposite. <laughs> my game of the show is a game called The Collage Atlas. Uh, this is a game that has been in development for, well, I've been following it for at least two years. Um, and I played it two years ago at EGX. So it's, I know uh, the guy, uh, developer on it, it's called John Evelyn. He's an artist, uh, game developer and musician. So he has basically done everything on this himself, which includes hand drawing all of the pictures that are then scanned in and used as the environments and the, um, sort of the trees, the fences, the um, just all the ornateness uh, that are in uh, the actual game itself and even John's art uh, whenever he posts it up on Twitter and what have you he uses the finest of the finest pens and sort of like a you know the sort of the sort of mottled paper to do his drawings and things on and the amount of time that it must take him to do each of those individual pictures is ridiculous and yet he's created a whole game um, using all these bits and pieces. Ooh. The game itself is almost like a, a sort of a dreamlike thing. You go through the environment, uh, there's little pieces floating about, there's sort of a nautical theme um, running through it as well, there's little bits of boats, there's anchors occasionally, um, there's also little windmills to kind of give you an idea of what direction you need to go, there's balls of paper um, sort of flying around that you need to try and pick up to then put into picture frames. Uh, the sort of complete memories and things and the game is just beautiful to play and the soundtrack is stunning to see this as sort of a labour of love almost um, for one little developer is just awe-inspiring absolutely fantastic I have recommended this to at least a couple of people there um, at the actual event and I've seen them coming back on Twitter uh, saying that yeah it was really really impressive mm. and it even won for anybody who knows, there's a woman called Jupiter Hadley, who is a massive, massive advocate for indie games. She covers loads of game jams and just as much indie games as possible and what have you. And this won one of her sort of 10 uh, stars uh, of the show award as being one of the games that is just fantastic. And uh, yeah, it totally, totally deserves that. Um, so it's well worth going and having a look at any trailers and things for this. Uh, but again, it's one of those ones you have to experience. Mm, I'm looking at some screenshots now and I feel really bad that I didn't actually get to play it. I didn't even <laughs> see it. Otherwise, if I'd seen, if I'd, I think if I'd spotted it, if I'd seen the screen and seen the artwork, I would have been drawn to it. It was kind of tucked away in the Tentacle Collective, so it was, which was kind of <sighs> tucked away right at the sort of the outskirts. See, that's of, where I was uh, the section. At, the, uh, at the end of Saturday, was yeah. down at the Tentacle Collective, just trying to cram in a few games down there. Mm. Um, but I must have missed it, unfortunately. Yeah, again, that's just EGX all over. Yeah, it is, yeah. <laughs> what about anything else that you played then? Oh, boy. Okay. 
<laughs> I'll quickly run through because uh, my list is nowhere near as long as yours. Um, well, I'm not doing all of mine. I'm doing a little over half a dozen. Okay, right. Diablo three on the Switch. Uh, it's Diablo three, uh, but it's on the Switch. Um, is it good? Yeah, it runs at sixty frames a second. I was playing. It was playing in. They'd got uh, two banks of four set up. Uh, you're playing in handheld modes, uh, and uh, four each group was like four people playing in a rift. It plays just like Diablo, but on handheld, which is great. Untitled Goose Game. Uh, for some reason, Nintendo only decided to bring one unit of that, and it was the most popular of all of the <laughs> games they had in that little area where they had lots of little indie games. So the queue to play it was an hour long, uh, but absolutely worth it. Uh, you play a goose running around a garden trying to piss off a farmer. <laughs> it's really funny. Two games are played down at Chucklefish. Uh, played East... Oh, no, sorry, three games. Eastward, uh, which is like a... Um, I think it's a Chinese game. But it's like done in a very uh, 90s JRPG sort of style. Uh, but instead of like turn-based combat, it's all action combat. Um, lovely art style, lovely music. Um, funny characters. Really looking forward to that. Time Spinner, which was sort of like a, a Metroidvania game, but with more of a Mega Man feel. Mm-hmm. And Inmost, which was like a creepy horror... 2d platformer that was very cute but very horrific as well starlink um ubisoft's attempt to break into the now dead toys for life uh, market um but they're <laughs> always on point yeah but, but their thing's a little bit different uh the, the, yeah. the, the, the toys are actually you're, you're interacting with them at all times like the, the, the your ship and the pilot and everything is mounted on the controller you're changing out the weapons and everything on the fly it was a really impressive game, uh, especially on the Switch, considering, you know, that's a mobile processor and mm. you're basically playing a game that does what No Man's Sky does, you know, seamlessly flying from planet surface out the atmosphere into space to the next planet down onto the surface and so on mm. without any loading times or anything like that. And then really, really fun combat. Um, really looking forward to that game, but uh, 70 quid buy-in. Uh, might have to give yeah. it a bit of a wait. Um, Sonic Racing. It's more Sonic. If you played Sonic Racing, um, Sonic All-Stars Racing, Sonic All-Stars Racing Transformed, you know what you're going to get. Uh, some slight differences this time is you've got team racing and uh, at a touch of a button you can, if you've got a weapon that you don't need, you can trade it with one of your teammates. Um, so uh, really fun to play. I think it's quite early. It was quite rough. It only managed to hit 60 frames a second when you go around corners and then would dip quite noticeably as soon as you hit the straight. So mm. it's got some issues there. Mm. Um, two Point Hospital, which is already out, which is basically Theme Hospital 2. It's very good. Mm. Uh, let's see. Um, I'll skip fast a few. What the Golf, um, which was in the uh, <laughs> Left Field collection, which is like a... A uh, golf game where you like click on the mouse and pull back and let go. Uh, sometimes you're hitting a ball. Sometimes you're hitting the golfer. Sometimes you're hitting a house. Sometimes it's a cat. Sometimes <laughs> it's a car. You know. Sometimes it, it's you're hitting a goal post, a set of goal posts into another set of goal posts. It's a really weird game, but really really fun. Tanglewood, which is the first new Mega Drive game in a long time, very long time. Yep. Played it, got to play it on an actual Mega Drive, which was bizarre. <laughs> Persona 5, Dancing in the Starlight. It's another Persona rhythm action game, but this time it's with the Persona 5 characters. Uh, it's really good. I'm quite good at, at rhythm action games, so I had a real good time with it. Zoe isn't, so she hated it. <laughs> I hope it works with DDR mats, because if it does, then I'm going to get that and a DDR mat and break my floorboards. <laughs> Baba is You, uh, another one over in the uh, Nindy section, was a really interesting puzzle game where you can physically interact with the rules of the puzzle 
while you're playing with it. Ooh. It doesn't make sense if you try and explain it. You need to see it. Yeah. It's it's bonkers. Really, really fun. Uh, Black Desert Online, which is like a PC MMO. I played that for a little bit and yeah, then left. Kingdom Hearts 3. I had to play this, otherwise Zoe would have murdered me. <laughs> I don't understand Kingdom Hearts. I'm trying to because she loves it. I don't, I don't, I don't fully understand it, but my God, that game is pretty. Um, like <laughs> really, really stunning when you're running around. You're in the toy box level, which is basically... Uh, Toy Story, uh, and yeah, absolutely stunning, and you know, pretty solid to play. Yeah, I love the fact that Kingdom Hearts is three is the tenth game in the series. Yeah, there's, there's so many spin-offs; it's ridiculous. <laughs> stick Fight, the game, which is uh, a combat game between two stick figures, uh, mm-hmm. and it's bonkers. I played Windjammers on the Switch because, come on, I was of course I was going to play Windjammers. <laughs> yeah. Love me some Windjammers. Uh, it's Windjammers, but on a Switch, great. Stay, which was a sort of really weird cryptic horror game. Um, you played mm-hmm. a person trapped in an apartment, communicating with someone over the computer, uh, and then trying to break out. I, I didn't fully understand what was going on, but uh, it kind of weirded me out, so I left in a hurry. <laughs> Gold, which was one of the... That was one of the NFTS... Yes, one of was. Yeah, one of the national film television... Um, lovely people over there. Stu went along and played it, and then they confused Stu for me and started tweeting at me saying how lovely it was to meet me. <laughs> so then I felt guilty and thought, right, I better go down and actually check the game out. So I went and checked it out, and it was a really good, uh, really tight 3D combat uh, arena, like a 3D fighting game sort of thing. Yeah, um, absolutely. That was damn good. Mice on Venus, which was like a sort of um, third-person... Uh, like a third-person adventure game in this small area of like a um, cyberpunk Tokyo or cyberpunk Hong Kong or something like that future city thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it was basically just a proof of concept sort of thing that this guy, oh, okay. one guy had made in a year. Um, but uh, like as a jumping off point to spoke perhaps something a little bit bigger, you can't go much wrong with, than with a detective game set in a cyberpunk city. So yeah. off to a good start there. Lake Ridden, which was a first-person sort of, not survival horror, but a, a creepy room escape puzzle game. Um, that was very good. Uh, Grip, which is basically Roll Cage. Yeah. I played I played loads of Roll Cage back in the day, and Zoe had never even heard of it. Uh, so I was quite disappointed when we played it together, and she absolutely wiped the floor with me. <laughs> it's stunning, though. So it is. It is st- absolutely stunning, and blisteringly fast like yeah. i you know i've played a lot of wipeout and i guess fast but this gets so so fast like you can mm-hmm. reach mac multitudes of, of you know mac whatever mm-hmm. tracks which is basically if you ever played one of those old earlier learning center wooden railway kit things mm-hmm. that i always yep. wanted when i was a kid never had it's that but you build it and then you can ride around it and then there's like puzzles of like you you have like your train starting at one point of this stark ikea style living room uh, mm. and you have to build tracks to pick up some little wooden passengers up by the tv and then drop them off on the sofa or whatever and then finally puss uh, p u s s exclamation mark um which is already out um because i saw it being played on um, a giant bomb stream recently uh and it's uh really basically you use the mouse cursor to move a cat through a flashing neon nightmare puzzle 
and if you sit and play it with headphones on for too long i think you probably start to trip balls uh it's really really <laughs> odd game just go and watch a youtube video of it because it's 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 really hard to explain but that one made me feel a bit a bit queasy after i had to leave that one mm. yeah I'm, I'm sure there's some other ones i played that i've just completely forgotten but uh there's so many bloody games but that, that's pretty much everything else I played. Oh, okay. Just a quick run through of my other notable mentions then. Um, first one, uh, well, first couple are, again, from the NFTS stand. So the first one is Deserter, a game of sorority, which you play as a soldier. You are a, a woman soldier, actually, and basically something terrible happens to your sister. So you actually take her uniform because she's a nurse, and then try and basically get her off the battlefield um, as quickly as possible, basically, to try and save her. Mm-hmm. Really interesting sort of way of looking at doing a non, or ne- not necessarily non-violent war game, almost. Really nice graphics and everything as well. And really, really just a wee joy to play. Again, little puzzles and things. Um, obviously, the extra weight and what have you that you're carrying slows you down, but sometimes you can um, put your sister down and go off and do other little bits and pieces and then try and come back and because you've now cleared the path and what have you for yourselves. Very, very enjoyable. Mm. Uh, next one is the Echo Chamber. Uh, again, another one in the NFTS area. It, it's kind of really hard to explain. It's almost... You are in like a... Uh, it's part of a sort of a counselling session, um, so you're in with a therapist, and the scenes that you try and recall are very, very hazy to start with, but you sort of move some things around, or you try and focus on uh, certain aspects of it. Uh, you can turn off and on lights and what have you within the scenes as you move around them, to hopefully then try and bring into focus uh, what actually happened during those events. Um, really, really clever, really smart, and just so different. Uh, doing an awful lot of the stuff that you would normally see. Really looking forward, or at least hope that that um, gets finalised mm-hmm. and then released. Uh, another one that I played then was Arca's Path, which is a VR game, uh, which is basically coming out on everything VR-wise, um, including the Gear VR. There's no actual controller needed for it. It's basically all done with just the tracking of your head uh, or the sort of gyroscopes or whatever in uh, whatever VR equipment that you're using. And just a little sort of puzzle game. You guide a ball around sort of different uh, levels and things like that. There's a background story to it where you are actually playing as a young girl um, who basically lives on a trash heap um, in sort of a future time and comes across this headset that then transports her into the world where you're controlling the ball. Um, So there's obviously more story and what have you behind that. Next one then was Dead End Job, which to anybody... Who has a very fond inkling of Ghostbusters will absolutely love. <laughs> it's basically you run around with what basically equates to a proton pack and sort of blasting ghosts and then sucking them up with your vacuum. And for every sort of, you know, so many ghosts or whatever uh, that you suck up, then you can get promoted as such. Um, <laughs> that basically goes from, you know, unskilled labor or whatever to, you know, general dog's body to just that guy that does stuff vaguely that we're aware of but just quite enjoyable and uh, just really bright colorful graphics and things uh, so that was good uh grip which we've already mentioned everspace which is a single player space shoot 'em up game and it is stunning 
I know a lot of people go on about how stunning No Man's Sky is and what have you, and even uh, Starlink as well. Everspace is gobsmacking. Um, now, I, I've never seen an awful lot of uh, Elite Dangerous, so I don't know how it compares to that, but it just took my breath away. Um, on how very, very impressive it is. Yeah, this one, uh, that's actually been out for a while. Oh, okay. Uh, at least on uh, some of the consoles, because it, it's popped for a few times on uh, the PlayStation 4 store, because uh, I'm a sucker for that sort of game. I love a good space game, and yeah, mm-hmm. it does look very good. Um, but it, it's got the the added wrinkle of being kind of a roguelike as well. Yeah, as well, yeah. Mm. Next up then was Inkle's uh, Heaven's Vault. Um, Inkle are the developer team that made 80 Days. And this is... I'm trying to... There's probably other games that I'm trying to think of that sort of the developers or whatever have made like one game and then taken a complete sidestep and almost... Um, in this case, they've moved into making it like a 3D adventure game. In Heaven's Vault, you are on a planet trying to work out what was going on and as well they have created their own language uh, on that planet so there's actually a little bit of deciphering and things like that um, as well. Really quite enjoyed that. It was really mellow to sit and play um, but then obviously there's little puzzles uh, with trying to work out what words and things mean hmm. uh, within that. And the last one then is a game called Between Stations although I'm not entirely sure you could call it a game. Um, I've actually played this on HIO. It's currently uh, free to play. But it was in the left field collection and they actually had it on an old school TV uh, with actual tuner knobs and what have you. I saw that one, yeah. And basically what you do is use the tuner knobs to sort of gently move through the TV stations and you actually get little snippets of both randomly created TV shows that they've done but then also messages from somebody somewhere and uh, yeah, it was quite a moving experience and a very tactile one using the tv but it's still enjoyable on uh playing it on free on itch as well mm. there's one more that you played that i really think you need to talk about which one the first game you played the very first game i played well the, the first, first game, game that you played after i got in at least anyway uh fist of the north star oh yes if if only because you uh, you punched people a lot and then put two fingers on their temple and then their heads <laughs> exploded <laughs> Yes, the, the combat system for that is basically an awful lot of button mashing mixed with quick time events. Yeah. <laughs> Probably the best way of explaining it is somewhere between Shenmue, Rage, and... Asura's Wrath? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's exactly it. <laughs> I honestly... It wasn't a very good demo for the simple fact that it basically starts you off with the story. There's an awful lot of storyline to go through and running around a village and things which wasn't very interesting and just as the demo ends they basically give you access to a vehicle that you don't then get to do anything with Mm. Um, it's one of those ones that you could maybe see an awful lot of people enjoying whenever it maybe drops down in price I would maybe guess sort of maybe half price but £20 or whatever I think there might be enough playtime out of it then but it didn't really grab me even though it looks very impressive and the battles are very, very silly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, it's got that sort of wacky... Um, it kind of, it kind of reminds, like a, if Basically, if someone had taken Yakuza and then set it in like a Mad Max-style wasteland and turned the wackiness up to 11, <laughs> at least on the combat style. So I think it's going to yeah. probably be a big hit amongst people who are mad into the Yakuza series and, you know stuff like that 
it might be one I look at when it drops down in price considerably. Um, yeah. But uh, the yeah, I just like the fact that you there was you'd hit people for a bit and then the camera would flash the character's face and then a bunch of square button icons would appear mm-hmm. just scramble all over the page and then he was just like hammering the button to make him disappear and then he punched the dude lots and then put two fingers on his temple and then his head exploded yeah uh, i think there was another one where he just punched him in the gut and then obviously yeah his gut just starts expanding and what have you yeah and i think yeah there was sort of multiple um sort of at least a couple of deaths anyway that i saw and i'm guessing then as your abilities and what have you sort of grow they start getting a lot more ridiculous yeah so that kind of explains everything that we played. Hmm. What about your experience of EGX this year? What did you think? Uh, well, I missed it last year because it coincided with, or was too close at least, I can't remember exactly, to being on holiday. So I couldn't mm-hmm. make it last year. So this was only my second one after 2000, when we first went in 2016. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I had a I had a really good time. I was with there with a with a, a big group of friends, mm-hmm. uh, most of whom had never been to Eurogamer before. Uh, I got to meet some people who I'd never actually met before, like a friend of the show, Chazzy, and and Colm and and Doug and um, Darren Gargett from Kane and Rents mm-hmm. and Andrew from um, Spilt Mil- Spilt Milk Studios and. Uh, yeah, um, it was just a nice social event. I got to play a bunch of amazing games. Uh, I I didn't bother queuing up for trip, you know, for big AAA games that I would mm. probably have come out of feeling a little bit disappointed with, on balance with how long I would have had a queue to have played them. Yeah, I discovered some really interesting games that I am really looking forward to the full releases of. Uh, yeah, I had a, it was a it was a good EGX. How was yours? I thought so too. Yeah. Um, yeah, as you say, just the social aspect of it this year um, was really good. Just because we start to know an awful lot more people on Twitter and things like that. So actually being able to uh, get everybody together and sort of meet in the flesh is really nice. Mm. The games-wise, I think the obvious sort of missing things were obviously Microsoft and the maybe sort of lackluster side of it with Bethesda not showing off anything from Fallout 76. What do you mean? You could go and stand in front of a Fallout 76 <laughs> wall and they would give you a Fallout 76 dunce hat. <laughs> yeah. And even <laughs> the walk um, down to the NEC from the airport and what have you, about every second or third poster was one for Just Cause 4, mm-hmm. but there was just a trailer for Just Cause 4 at the yeah. event. So yeah, some issues seemed a little off, um, and I know a couple of people that I was talking to would have said that it was a bad year for EGX, but mm. then that could potentially mean that next year is a good year. But no, overall, I thoroughly enjoyed everything, and uh, yeah, just getting to talk to people is just lovely. Um, f- most of the stuff that was on the Sony stage I wasn't interested in at all, um, yeah. apart from Dreams. Most of the other stuff like... Uh, the other big publishers, I wasn't interested in their stuff. But between the Nintendo section and the rest section, yeah, I, I more than got my fill, and I could have happily stayed for another day and probably still yeah. not got around playing all the things I wanted to play. So, for that aspect, it was good. Yeah, yeah, no, it was a good event, and it definitely felt even more kind of spaced out. There was a lot more room between the booths. It didn't feel as claustrophobic. Yeah. Um, partic- particularly in the rest section, which I think was a good thing as well. Because mm-hmm. it can get a little bit clustered. Yep. It did get a little bit tight in some places around by uh, the Tentacle Collective. We got a little bit um, mm-hmm. choked up just by the yeah. of where they were. And it, there wasn't really a three-way. Um, but yeah, well-organized, yeah. well-set out. 
Um, the addition of the uh, fringe sessions was a nice little touch, like yeah. um, having community suggest panels and then having them come and put them on. Uh, there were some really interesting ones. There were some interesting sounding ones. I only managed to catch one myself, but I was mm. like one for like one guy's champ manager addiction and whatnot. <laughs> I really wish I'd gone to see. But yeah, it, it, it seems to be expanding and evolving uh, in certain respects. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. the games that they have on there, they don't really have uh, that much control over. It's whatever the publishers and the platform holders decided to take with, you know, to yeah. bring along. So, you know, it was a good year. I think as, a, as an event, it feels a little bit squeezed. Um, purely because basically a week after it is EGX Berlin, uh, which then obviously follows on not long after Gamescom being in Germany. Mm-hmm. And then Paris Games Week is thrown in there as well. And EGX is actually on at the same weekend as the Tokyo Game Show. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a very, very, very busy period. And obviously, sort of developers and publishers and things have to decide where they want to go with their games mm-hmm. um, for the most amount of impact. Yeah. Um, so that that may be why EGX didn't have Microsoft or EA um, this year, um, as mm. obvious ones missing. But yeah, it always feels as if it's a run up to the Christmas period as well. Um, but that's not necessarily a bad thing because people do get to get the hands on the games that they will probably get their actual hands on uh, within a couple of months anyway. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, one little bit of news. Uh, as you may have seen on Twitter, Kev and Ali have left the podcast they decided to move on kev is ah uh, well he's kind of been out of sorts with gaming for a while um mm. as evidenced by any uh, if you listen to any recent episodes <laughs> of uh year of shame what have you played kev nothing <laughs> what have you got rid of everything <laughs> so he's stepping back to concentrate on uh film guff because film is where his passion is yeah uh, so it makes sense to to, to, con- to put more of his efforts into that and uh ali has moved on to the codec moments podcast like i said in the tweet we we thank them both for you know three years of service or uh, definitely three years in kev's case i can't remember how long ali ali's been here not long after uh, we got up and running off the ground. Ali joined, mm, yeah, and we'll miss him, and we wish him well. Uh, mm. But but in light of that, the fact that there is just the three of us now, we're going to take a, a hiatus for mm-hmm. about a month or so. Figure out where we are, where we want to take the show, um, what 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 sort of what we need to do with the formats, whether we can, you know bring some other people on to help us out mm. whether we continue with fortnightly or go back to once a week or whatever we just need to rethink basically yeah so if you have any suggestions or if there's any of the particular sort of formats and things that we've done previously that you've enjoyed let us know and even if you would potentially be interested in coming on sort of as a, a team member, um, again, just get in contact with us. Hmm. You can get us on Twitter at LapsGamer and you can email us at LapsGamerRadio at gmail.com. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, LGR Play will continue as as often as I can get videos out. 
um mm. there by the time this episode goes up there should be a video with a slightly briefer and slightly different look or look at slightly different or slightly other games uh from egx with um chazzy but i'm away on holiday next week so i won't be able to get anything done then because i don't mm. think the internet in cornwall is particularly good no it's 10 cans and string isn't it? yeah pretty much yeah yeah <laughs> But yeah, I'll be keeping LGR Play going for the time being, uh, well, ongoing. Uh, it's just that the podcast itself is going to be taking a, a little hiatus for a, for a month or so just while we figure things out. But we will be back. Yes. LGR's not closing down. We'll be back in a different format mm-hmm. or the same format. I don't know. We'll be back, though. <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure something out. Yeah, we'll figure something out. We'll be back. It'll just be, we'll have some new voices, hopefully, because um, yeah. what with, uh, you know, stresses and strains on, on personal life, uh, the three of us can't manage podcast, YouTube, and a blog mm-hmm. without some help. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yes. yeah. But until then, stick with us. Don't unsubscribe from the podcast feed. Uh, <laughs> at some point in the not too distant future a new episode will pop up in your feed yes uh, but until then we're just taking a brief hiatus from the airwaves we are yeah and like we thank thank all everyone who listens to the podcast for continued support uh and, and for taking the time out to of the you know of, of the day every week or so to to have a listen to this podcast and listen to us waffle on as i am waffling on now <laughs> we 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 i mean we do it just because we like talking to each other about games but yeah. the fact that people actually listen to it is still you know after having done it for three years is still mind-blowing to me people actually listen to the absolute gump that i've got to talk about video games <laughs> um so from the bottom of my heart thank you for continuing to listen and uh hopefully you'll hear from us again well no you will hear from us again soon no hopefully about it yeah you will (laughs) absolutely yeah just yak with that as well uh yeah thank you all for listening and we will be back we will right yeah enough waffling from us Let's, let's wrap this one up yeah, remember to go and check the Laps Gamer Radio YouTube channel. Uh, there's a lot of nonsense on there. Got the EGX video. Uh, hopefully, in the next week or so, we should also have some uh, a video of me and Andy and uh, LGR alumni uh, Adam Ducker dicking about on uh, Sea of Thieves, which is quite funny. I'm going to post some stuff up on um, the blog uh in the next few weeks as well um by the time this episode comes out maybe uh there will be something up there about my thoughts on the demise of um telltale games and mm. where it all went wrong for them so yeah i'm going to i'm going to take more time take some time from this hiatus to actually put some effort into to, to writing some stuff on the blog so go and check that out that's laps gamer radio no that's lapsgamer.com Yes, lapsgamer.com. Yes, yeah. And like Stuart said, find us on Twitter at lapsgamer. Send us an email, lapsgamerradio at gmail.com. We love you all. And <laughs> we do indeed. Until we speak to you again. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.